Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It is uh, Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, host of the Beat the Bladder Show. Good to be here with you. Uh, Damien Dunn joins me as always. Dame, nothing like a video tech problem to start the show. It bodes well for us. You knew this was going to happen. I was not surprised at all when I saw that happen in the upper corner of that screen. I thought, well, here we go. Dame, I've got some bad news. Um, this episode of the show was meant to be an episode in which I was going to partake in the mystical beverage uh, cold brew flavored whiskey. Mm-hmm. And what that was going to allow me to do was to not only feel the relaxing warmth of whiskey, but to also enjoy the benefits of caffeine. And, and we thought that on the show on Friday, this is the only time I can do it as an older gentleman. If I take caffeine past two, I'm up all night and you can't drink hardcore in the morning other than on a radio show. So the bad news is this, Dame. This morning, I spent an hour recording videos uh, for various things that we do here, and uh, went to start the editing process and realized that I had messed up a sound setting, which doesn't sound consistent with my quality of work. Um, So now I have to re-record all those after the radio show here today. So I cannot partake in the drinking show. And I didn't know whether or not you wanted to honor me by also, you know, not having a beverage during today's show. Oh, oh. Um, you're still going to drink. I'll pass. What, what are you, what are you, what's in the cup today, Dame? It's monkey, uh, turn of the right way. Monkey shoulder blended scotch. It's mm. a delightful little, uh, afternoon treat for me today. Well, uh, good for you. Enjoy it. I'll be tolerable today because uh, you're going to be drinking. All right, Dame. So this week's show, let's do a little pre-production meeting here. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to do here on the show? We've actually got some pretty good emails that came in again this week. Uh, So let's take a look at the email inbox. I like that pre-tax versus equivalent after-tax retirement savings questions a lot. Okay. You want to do that one? Sure. Please say yes. Yeah. Uh, and then is the crypto one, do you want to do that or not? Um, I'd kind of like to save that one to see if maybe we could uh, lasso in somebody that would talk about that with us. Oh, okay. Um, is that fair? Yeah, it's, it's some more expertise there. Yeah. Is the Roth versus traditional question that came in, is that is that very similar to the first one or not? I think so. I, I think we're, I mean, kind of. Uh, okay, so then what I want to do, okay, so we won't do any of those other than the first one. And then segment two, I want to talk about what products or what things in your life you should spend money on to get quality versus the things where maybe you can cut the corner because there's not as much differential between uh, items. So start thinking about that it's sort of quality versus quantity. It's it's the new minimalism where you know true minimalism is not spending uh, exorbitantly on things that don't matter, but spending a lot on things that do matter. Sure. My connection weird still, or is that okay? I think you're okay. It's not my day. It's not my day. You need a drink. I do, but I can't. Here we go. And, uh, you want to start the show? Um, not my day. Okay, here we go. In, uh, three, two, This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. We will do our best to answer your question, your financial question at that. When I say we, I mean 
my buddy, the vice president of advice at your money line in Hey Money, one Damian Andrew Dunn. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Dame, this was going to be the episode of the show in which we enjoyed an adult beverage midday. Uh, unfortunately, since I messed up an assignment this morning, I have to redo it this afternoon. That involves me being on video. Uh, so I'm not going to be partaking in a beverage, but I do understand that you are still going to partake in an adult beverage as we record our show here today. I think it's only right that I do as we planned. Dear Pete, I'm trying to estimate how much I'd be able to spend each year in retirement based on my current savings. I have about $1.5 million saved, mostly in pre-tax accounts, such as traditional 401ks and IRAs. Since my savings are in pre-tax accounts and assuming I'd owe about a third in income taxes, that suggests I really only have equivalent after-tax savings of about $1 million. A 4% safe withdrawal rate would suggest I could support $60,000 a year in retirement, income from my 1.5 million, but since I'll owe a third of my savings to Uncle Sam, should I really only consider that $40,000? When folks are calculating how much we've saved for retirement, should we haircut any amounts in our pre-tax accounts to uh, more accurately account for how much is ours versus Uncle Sam's? In the personal finance space, it seems we often hear big retirement numbers thrown around without understanding if people are talking about pre-tax or post-tax equivalents from David, Dame, man, this guy decided to send a question to my wheelhouse this week. I appreciate that. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you uh, come back with. It. Well, you get to start. Uh, oh. I will just say this. That, um, earlier in the week when I had a discombobulated day on a different day, uh, it was based on the fact that I spun myself up in spreadsheet um, nirvana. I love building crazy spreadsheets but then I, I i it was so complicated i confused myself but dame this is very easily solved with with a pretty simple retirement calculator sure uh, you can figure this out with a retirement calculator to figure out what your tax liability is going to be from year to year there are a couple things that i think are worth mentioning in this specific uh scenario uh he estimates a third of that's going to go towards taxes that might be true long-term. However, depending on how much you're taking out to support yourself in those first years, uh, your tax bracket may actually be lower and you may not come anywhere close to that, that 33% or 30 or 36% or whatever the brackets are going to be at that point. In fact, I would suggest you probably won't. Uh, what's going to pinch you is the required minimum distribution as you get older. And those will start to get painful as the, the amount of money that you have to take out on a yearly basis is going to get very, very large as you uh, get closer to post-retirement. Yeah. And so that's, that's where the, it's not equally spread out tax obligations. It, it really gets backloaded. You know, Dame, I, I put this through a calculator I have here. And let's say this guy's two years away from retirement and he has one and a half million dollars now. He's going to take a 4% distribution rate and you also have to account for inflation. Like that's the thing we didn't even talk about or he didn't mention. If he's two years out from retirement, inflation's not going to crush him early. But if he's our age and then you have to factor in inflation, it's completely different. So um, Dame, if he wanted an inflation adjusted after tax net monthly income, he would receive $4,227.54 a month. So $4,200 a month. Uh, based on a 2% inflation, 4% withdrawal rate. And I have a 25% tax rate. Um, I mean, if I, if I, if I bumped that to 30, 
He's got $3,300. And I think 25 netting it out is probably more appropriate. Uh, so I, yeah, personal finance space does struggle to talk in very realistic terms. We get obsessed with, uh, I got two mil, got one mil, got 500,000, and it'll generate 40,000. And you, you do all these math uh, calculations, but you always ignore social, uh, pardon me, you always ignore taxes and you always ignore inflation and you shouldn't because it does yourself a disservice. Unless you've done a excellent job at saving in Roth uh, uh, vehicles, then then taxes become of virtually no consequence to you at that point. So uh, most people, because uh, Roths haven't been around nearly as long as traditional 401ks and IRAs, uh, are going to have probably uh, uh, the bulk of their savings uh, in a, a traditional taxable account. And they still do have to be concerned with taxes. And so uh, the looking forward, uh, there are a few variables. Uh, what are tax rates going to do? Pete, you got any idea? You got your crystal ball uh, close at hand? Uh, what tax rates are going to do for us? Oh my gosh. I, I feel like I know less about tax rates every single day. I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I know President Biden's going to have uh, sort of some thoughts on taxes relatively soon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, have you looked at it much recently by any chance? Because I, I don't want to go down a path that we're, we're both unarmed because, of course, I'm unarmed with information, but I assume you know some things. Not super recently, just that uh, he's talking about increasing income taxes on incomes over $400,000. Uh, so that uh, gets into a, a pretty high tier of, of income earners. But uh, according to what the plan looks like it's going to be, if you make below 400000 individually or um, uh, married filing jointly, then your taxes should not change according to the proposal. Yeah, I saw a criticism of that. I think it was Senator Mike Braun from Indiana said it's unreasonable that even at 400000 it's unreasonable because a lot of couples make $200,000 each. So it's easy to achieve that $400,000 mark. And Here's what's wild about that sort of thing. And man, we are off the res we are off in a weird direction right now. So uh, I'll say this: I, I don't want a tax hike for people over four hundred thousand dollars. Okay, but it's not because a lot of people make two hundred thousand dollars each as a couple. That's a ridiculous yeah. argument. Makes no sense, right? No. Yeah, I, a lot must mean something different to Senator Braun than it does me because I don't think a lot of people have a combined. Uh, income of 400,000 or individual income of $400,000 or more. I mean, I, it's weird. I agree with him, but not for the reason he wants me to agree with him. Maybe yeah. because it's like, he's like a lot of people in Southern Indiana make $200,000 each per year. And it's like, oh. I went to school in Southern Indiana. That's not true. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I don't get it. All right. So Dame, uh, yes, the, the financial business needs to do a better job. The financial industry needs to do a better job of, Letting someone think in today's dollars what their net income is going to be. Uh, and, and frankly, that's why you and I waste a lot of time trying to build these calculators that simplify these ideas to the right level without oversimplifying them and then recomplicating them. Projections are uh, very reassuring to most people. And if you can put accurate numbers and accurate uh, estimations into the calculator, you might be really comfort comforted with what you see, or you might be a little terrified with what you see, but it is a reality that you have to face at some point. I'd much rather know what I've got coming down the road now versus being surprised by it later. I will nitpick his email just a hair. Please. That he uh, said a safe, 
distribution rate of 4%. Like I, I, I'll tell you what I use when I run my own calculations for myself is somewhere between three to three and a half percent. Dane, what do you, what's, do you have a standard number you use or do you ask people or what do you use? I just, it's typically the 4% just because that's been uh, the number that's been used for so often uh, or, or so long, I should say. The industry is, is looking at uh, what distribution rates really look like in practice. And that's, that's an interesting study that maybe we can talk about sometime. I did see a study this week that in 1970, the average retirement length of retirement was 14 years mm -hmm. and that the average retirement in 2020 will be 19 years before someone dies. And so while we use 4% because we want to make sure if someone has a three decade retirement, they still have money. St statistics still support the fact that they're only going to have a 19 year retirement. And so that 4% theoretically should work coming up after the break. More of the Pete the Planner Show. What things should you buy of the highest quality? And what things can you scrimp and save on? All that's next. I'm Pete the Planner. Oh, boy. Yeah. I have to admit something. Please. I, I almost said the phrase off the reservation. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. I don't feel good about that. I almost said it and I stopped myself midway and sort of recorrected. That's why you're a professional. Well, I just want to acknowledge that I said that and I should I shouldn't have said that. You try to get away from those idioms, those figures of speech that have been around for a long time that never were right, but you said them anyway. And yeah, I feel bad about that. So you didn't want to say it uh, on the radio, but it was okay to say it. Acknowledge well, that you said it. Well, and I can acknowledge that I said it because I think it brings attention to the fact that you shouldn't say it. Yeah. You, you're acknowledging that you thought it. Now we're in the thought police section of, of, of this show. Yeah. So anyway, sorry about that, everybody. I'll do better. Um, all right, Dame, do you have ideas, uh, things of quality that you should buy versus areas in your life, the purchases that we all have to make where you can, you don't have to buy the best. I have some ideas. I have a lot of ideas. Uh, I have maybe a couple. Okay. I didn't know if we wanted to go through them now or if you want to wait and for the no, live no. reveal. Yeah. No, I, I like the risk of failure. Yeah. I like the risk of saying something mildly racist on the radio and then correcting yourself. <sighs> At least I caught it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So let's start the segment and we'll go ping pong stop. We will go table tennis style back and forth. And I don't know what's happening. Good times. I'm going to, did I tell you one of my neighbors is a professional table tennis player and his license plate says ping pong. Well, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's always like, I'll be at my yard. He's like, do you play? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. He's like, you ever looking for a game? I'm like, no, I'm not looking to play table tennis with you in your basement. You're a nice guy. Is he trying to hustle you? I don't know. I don't, if you just like, I, you would only ask someone that if you knew they played and if you knew they were good enough to play with you. He's like, you ever looking for a game? It's like, no, I'm not. I can't imagine how frustrating it would be to play ping pong as a professional. <laughs> Let's start the segment. I think at some point he's got to rip the band-aid off of the show. You know what I mean? Can you imagine how much better this would be if you had drank? Uh, just so everyone knows, you don't have to drink to feel good. 
<laughs> All right, three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. All right, Dame. Uh, so there are certain things in your life that you are better off spending a lot of money on in order to get something that will last a long time. And there are other areas of your life where you're told you should spend a bunch of money on something, but when it really comes down to it, it I don't know if it really matters. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to sort of explore some of those areas. Dame, I have two uh, opposite examples that jump out at me immediately, and I would like to. Um, I would like to go through those with you right now. And by the okay. way, people on Facebook Live are, are weighing in already. Amanda Grace, uh, name of the year in 2020, high-quality mattress. I think I have to agree with that, right? I do. I do. Yeah, actually, on Facebook Live, if you've got ideas on this, go ahead and put it, and we'll, we'll put it on the air. Dame, do you want to start, or would you like me to start? Uh, go ahead. All right, I'm going to start with something that you shouldn't spend a lot of money on. The best pair of Bluetooth headphones that I own mm -hmm. were $19 on Amazon. See, I find this interesting. Okay, because I'm, I'm an audio yeah, yeah, you 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 love your sound. Yep. But then I also remember that you bought us headphones for Christmas one year. I did. I bought all you guys. I think they were about 50 or 60 bucks. I bought everyone at the office, those for Christmas. Yeah. And then uh, I didn't buy myself any and I regretted it. And so then I bought myself a pair off of Amazon. I only spent $19.99 and they were amazing. Now I've got these noise canceling Bose headphones that I use for like travel and stuff. My $19 headphones are better. Really? Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm not, I work out in them. I sweat in them. I've run in the rain in them. Like they're durable. They have a great battery life and they're amazing. And they're $19. And that's what I'm talking about. Pete, how long has it been since you've worn those headphones? The Bose headphones? These? Yeah. I, I listen to them when I cook. Because no one wants to listen to Anthony Hamilton while I'm making everybody dinner. So I have so to listen to Anthony Hamilton on here. So they're just listening to you sing Anthony Hamilton. That's true. Wow. Anthony Hamilton has the best lyrics of all time. Okay. One of his lyrics is something, something you would think that Jesus and I was cool. And I don't know. I just think it's like this. He's trying to get this like point across. And he's like, you know, so much so that you would think Jesus and I was cool. Like, and I just like the verb. And anyway, uh, do you have one? Uh, I will go the other way. And it's already popped up in the stream. Uh, I think you need to spend money on shoes. Oh my gosh. You know who disagrees with you is Mrs. Planner. She never spends money on shoes, which is, you know, kind of wild. I'll spend some money on some shoes because I agree with you. So I will, uh, I will give a pass to uh, women who enjoy shoes because uh, they try and uh, sometimes I feel like uh, keep up with trends and they want to change the look uh, every so often. And so if they aren't going to wear them for a long time, like uh, you or I may be inclined to do that they can get away with spending a little less on shoes, but uh, man, a good shoe, Pete. That's something to enjoy. All right, Dame, I'm going to match your shoe here. I'm going to go with a very nice grill, outdoor grill. All right. So we bought a grill when we moved into this home in the fall of 2007. And while I've had to replace some of its guts, mm -hmm. the chassis itself still works pretty well. It was a good investment as opposed to just buying the cheapest thing that you can. I, I feel like it's been a good use of money. I guess the other side of all of this, though, is properly maintaining the mm -hmm. things you do spend money on, you know? Yeah. I, you know, you've got that, uh, 
the deep clean for the grill at least uh at least once a year to start start off the year make sure everything's nice and uh fresh of course mine mine can't be wheeled inside is yours uh portable pete uh no it is it is a hard yeah. lined into the uh, gas of yeah. our house yeah but, do you have another uh, one dame you want to you want to uh, you want to volley one back at me yeah and actually my other one is in here already as well the mattress uh you know when my wife and i were first married it seems like we could not find a uh a middle ground on what was comfortable to each of us and if you can find that and make sure you're getting good sleep priceless pete priceless all right so this one because you are having a beverage during the show today and i am not because uh i well messed up my work this morning so i have to redo it this afternoon uh i'm gonna go booze i i think uh if you're gonna enjoy a beverage especially if you're going to have a bottle of wine, don't drink a lot of wine, spend your money on good wine. So that's my theory is not to drink a ton of wine, but instead of drinking a ton of wine, I would rather spend my money on really good wine. But see, that only happens once you break the seal of having good wine and then you just can't go back. And, and I, I don't encourage anyone to do that. I totally agree because up until a couple of years ago, I had no idea what a good wine tasted like. And now it is uh, the wine that, that everything else is judged by in, in that genre for me. And I, I wouldn't say I'm a wine snob per se, but I can definitely taste differences now that I was uh, unaware of before. You know, Joanna brings up a good point on Facebook Live right now. Uh, and this is something Mrs. Planner ascribes to is this the idea that uh, fitness is something that you know, we're willing to spend money on because you're taking care of yourself. It's a, it's a wellness activity. It's a proactive decision. So in other words, eat healthy, you know, spend more money to, to eat healthier food. In some cases it's organic or, you know, whatever. Uh, in other cases, spend money on fitness equipment that you're going to use or running shoes that you are going to run in. Uh, that's, that's another good example. But again, Dame, here's a, here's an opposite example. Whereas I will buy, uh, a nice car or, you know, I'll have access to a nice car. Um, I also don't, oh, maybe you're going to correct me or give me a weird look here. I also don't feel like I go all the way on a car because oftentimes I'll acquire that car used. So I, I, I find that the depreciation of car has me not wanting to spend top dollar on that type of thing. Yeah. I was actually kicking around how a car fits into this conversation actually. Um, I think everybody understands that new cars are typically poor purchase decisions for most people just because of how long we typically keep cars and how quickly they depreciate. Um, you don't end up on the, the, the positive side of the ledger on those uh, very often, if ever. Uh, a good used car, though, may cost more than a similar used car, but may have fewer repair expenses and might last longer. So uh, depending on how you're looking at it and what you're uh, aiming to purchase, spending a little bit more on a car might be a really great use of money. You know where this gets really confusing, frankly, is where brand in, comes into it, right? Like a Burberry jacket. It's a jacket. Is it made well? I don't know, but it's Burberry and it's really expensive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or you take like a, a Herman Miller chair, like an office chair or something like that. Uh, is it a brand name? Yes. Is it expensive? Yes. Is it well-made? Yes. Right. And, and so that's where you get into this idea of like brand name, Louis Vuitton. It's a bag. Is it well-made? I don't know. I mean, it, it holds stuff. I don't know. So I, I think brand 
really taints this whole conversation as well. It doesn't matter if the Louis Vuitton is made well because it'll be in the back of the closet in a couple of years anyway. Maybe. I don't know. I don't I don't have any of that. I mean, it'd be probably pretty uh, inappropriate for you and I to say that spending money on handbags, something that you and I don't have direct exposure to, is a waste of money. But I mean, I kind of feel that way, but I, I, I don't feel like my opinion really matters there. Yeah, I try and stay out of that argument. How about televisions? Where do you line up on televisions? It's been a while since I've bought a television of, of any consequence. And I mean like a, a, a big main uh, living room type of, of TV to, to be used consistently. But technology changes so fast. I, I'm almost to the point now where I don't want the latest and greatest. I'm going to look at stuff that's been out for a year or so and pick it up at rock bottom prices, knowing that the stuff that's out now is, is going to be yesterday's news in a couple of weeks anyway. So uh, I love tech as much as the next guy, but it's really hard for me to spend money on a TV. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I will go a nice brand, but near the bottom of the tier, generally last year's model on closeout. I mean, I'm never getting that like 9D for, I don't care about any of that stuff. All right, so there it is. Quality versus buying cheap right here on the Pete the Planner Show. Coming up after the break, more of the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I said Pete the Planner like 35 times in a row there. You got to get your branding in, man. It's all right, right? I mean, I mean, interesting conversation. I mean, I don't think we really changed anyone's life on that one. No, but maybe it got the wheels turning a little bit. I kind of want to take that crypto question, except we're right. just so uninformed, you know? I mean, I guess we can give just general thoughts. And then if we feel like we have to explore it, we can bring in the big yeah, guns. That's fine. Let's do that. All right. I'm going to get going here. All right. Because I have to record all those videos again. Uh, people in the Facebook chat, uh, would you be interested in learning uh, more, ha having us do a segment with somebody who actually knows what they're talking about on crypto? Yes or no? And then with Thank NFTs, you. is that the other one too? Yeah, I, I did see that uh, somebody at the New York Times sold a column that was NFT'd for like half a million dollars, which is ridiculous. All right, so we're going to do some crypto right now. Um, here we go. In three, two back on the pete the planner show dame we received an email about cryptocurrency let's hit it dear pete i recently learned that my husband invested roughly sixty thousand dollars from his business account into cryptocurrency i'm gonna hit a quick timeout. you know businesses can have investment accounts right? I mean, businesses can make investments. To, it's just an asset. Cash is an asset and, and you can have a different type of asset that a business holds. I, I mean, Tesla, uh, the car company, ha recently purchased a bunch of, of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency uh, to hold as an asset. So it's not uh, unheard of to do that. A lot of times amateur investors um, shy away from that if they know what's good for them, because then you're potentially risking payroll or whatever else, but it just, you know, it all depends on how much cash is on hand. Let's continue. After working through the fact that this was a decision we should have made together, <laughs> that's the next sentence. I'm trying to wrap my head around whether or not this is a good move. I don't know what questions I should be asking. My general feel from you is that you're not a fan of cryptocurrency, but I'm not sure why. That's a really fair point. And I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, uh, Expand upon that a whole lot, but we'll get there. 
Uh, my concern is that even though the, his investment is doing quite well now, we don't have an end game. That's actually my issue. Uh, my husband is really quite reserved and I trust them, him. He also used to be a stockbroker in his younger years. That generally means less to me <laughs> than you think. Uh, but this type of investing is new to both of us and I'm nervous about it. Do you have any suggestions as to how to navigate this conversation and wisely protect this money? Thanks, Jennifer. So Dame, here's how I think about this. It's all about the end game. Like when do you know that it was like, what's the plan? When are you getting out of it? Like, what are you hoping to get from this experience? And I think it's that uh, lack of uh, boundaries and, and the, the lack of a definition of what makes for a good experience is, is where people miss the boat on, on meme stocks and crypto altogether. I think the fact that currency is part of the name frosts me a little bit because <laughs> for how old are you? I, I channeled my grandma there for a minute. Just give me like, a break, all right? She seems like a nice lady. Drink, drinking her drink, and I'm talking like her now, too. So yeah. uh, what's the point of cryptocurrency? Is it an investment? Is it a speculative investment? Is it a store of value to be used to exchange for other things of value? You would believe, if you read certain Twitter uh, personalities, that uh, that the cryptocurrency and blockchain is going to solve every problem known to man at this point. I don't get that argument, by the way, because I feel like it's really undefined. Which is why I think we could have somebody on here to walk us through the <laughs> argument, which would, would help us. Um, but if you're using it as a, a currency, a store of value, I personally, I don't want my money fluctuating quite that much. That, that's not its main purpose. If it's an investment, then so be it. But then it doesn't become necessarily a currency to me. So I, again, what, what's the purpose of it? How are you viewing it? Is, it? is it currency? Is it an investment? Is it speculative? Any of those things could potentially be legit reasons for owning it, but you got to know why you're owning it. If someone says it's an investment, then... I still think they need an investment objective unless their investment objective is it's speculation, which then that would inform um, that. I mean, it would be, you know, capital appreciation speculation, but, but Dame, that would inform what percentage of your portfolio went toward it. Right. What, what we see people do is like, Hey, I liquidated my brokerage account and I went to crypto, but it's an investment. So it's okay. But it's like, no, I mean, that's a speculative investment. So it should be a maybe 10% of your portfolio or something like that yeah. as opposed to 100. Yeah. It, what this conversation is actually leading towards, and I had zero uh, plan on, on going this direction, but it's a personal investment policy statement is it, oh, trying to yes. figure out exactly what you are trying to accomplish with your invested assets. Now, this is probably a topic that's too big for, for this segment to, to be honest, but essentially you're going to lay out ground rules for yourself and you're going to say, I want to have roughly this much in this asset class and this much in another asset class. I'm going to free up this much to play with or to use in speculative investments. And my goal is to return a certain percentage or a bracketed percentage per year. And anything, yeah. any risk that I take outside of that is unneeded and I don't need to do it. Um, uh, likewise, if, if things change, you, you adjust your investment policy statement and you change your portfolio uh, accordingly. 
and you shoot for new uh, new goals. You you don't take unnecessary risk to accomplish those goals. So how does crypto fall into that? Well, that's for everybody to decide. But to wipe out somebody's portfolio, which uh, Jennifer doesn't indicate that that actually happened here, um, would be foolish in my estimation, uh, just like it would be to sell everything and put it in one individual stock. Um, so there, there's a lot of caution that has to go along with crypto. Yeah, I look at it. It's like it's not a repeatable part of a plan, right? You, you can't say our goal is to retire at age 62. And by making this investment in cryptocurrency, um, I can have my money there. And and because it, it's never part of that. It's let's go make as much money as we can right now and take great risk to do it. And as, as lame as what I've just said sounds, that's how I feel. Like if I can't repeat it uh, on a regular basis or, or point to it as, a small portion of my money. I mean, I would rather hold, you know, significant amounts of gold knowing I'm not going to get near the returning cryptocurrency because of the chance that I lose everything because of the unknown. But I mean, maybe I just sound like an uninformed investor. I don't know. And then you could just shave off little pieces of gold and hand it out to to neighbors for rolls of toilet paper. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, I mean, I bought cryptocurrency on this show a couple of years ago, two, three years ago held it for a year, made some money. Um, the whole time it did not feel good. And I have thought a lot about, well, what if I still held it, you know? Yeah. And um, I think I I had, I didn't even have a full Bitcoin or anything, but I think when I bought Bitcoin, was it 10,000? Mm-hmm. I may have put a thousand dollars in or something like that. And it's 60,000 or something like that now. And so I would have $6,000 now. That's roughly how the math works. Yeah, and I, I'm, <laughs> and I'm looking at that, I'm like, I just not worth the headache. I mean, not to, I'm now I'm that guy that's like, I didn't want a six X on my money. It's like, but no, it's like, <laughs> but that, I guess that's my point. Like to, as a, as a little bit of a joke or a, a bit for the show, I was willing to put a thousand dollars into it, but I, I would not put personally anything more than that into it. Well, this also comes back to understanding what you're investing in, which is something that you hear people uh, say frequently, oftentimes just giving lip service to it. But how many people actually understand how cryptocurrency works? A fraction of the people that invest in it, right? Has to be. Well, with that very good argument, actually, not many people understand what an ETF is. And most people can't even define what a mutual fund is when you really get when it gets down to it. Um, I just feel like there's this ever increasing uh, sized category of brand new types of investment that very few people understand that more people are getting into like, you know, NBA top shots, like all the, all these just sort of different things and, you know, virtual trading cards. It's, it's like, why? And I, I mean, I knew the moment we cracked this subject on the show, whenever it was going to be, I was going to be old guy. And I, I feel like I'm okay with that. You know, like I'm okay. People are like, you just don't get it. Cool. All right. Check back with me in like 30 years. Okay. If I'm still alive, let's compare. I mean, and it's not even a contest. It's just, it's, I want to roll. My name is Pete the Planner. I want a reliable strategy. I want a reliable plan. I want to work a plan. I don't want to have to depend on magic to happen for me to accomplish a goal. I, I want to be able to put the work in and see the result. I don't want this get lucky. Like I have no interest in that. That's why I don't gamble. That's why I don't gamble on sports. I just, I just not interested. Here's what we know. 
it's probably not going anywhere. I mean, the Federal Reserve is working on their own cryptocurrency right now. So I don't know. I think we're stuck with it. This is one of the things I both want to be right about, but also don't want to be right about because I mean, it's just it's going to get it's just going to get crazy. You know, anyway, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week in current events right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. By the way, I just noticed that Mrs. Planner took off running on her uh, midday run. She got her first shot today. Oh, ahead of you. I know. She's, uh, I know. I'm next Wednesday. I'm going to be blessed and highly vaccinated. Uh, mildly vaccinated. All right, Dame. Uh, da, 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 da. This entire time we were doing that segment, I was looking for a biggest waste of money of the week, and it's not going well. They have a best use of money of the week. Oh, I mean, yeah, maybe that's the best route to go. Hmm. Oh, mm, mm, mm. you know what? I got one. I got to find it real quick. I like that I tout myself as Pete the Planner, but I don't think I could have been any less prepared for the show today if we really shook it out. This was this was a throwback. I mean, this this, this was uh, let's just paste it together with Elmer's glue as we're going. <sighs> Uh, do you think Dominion wins the $1.6 billion suit against Fox News? No. Okay. You think they settle out of court? Yeah. Yeah, it's likely. Um, yeah, let's do this. I woke up at 438 this morning i couldn't sleep it probably explains most of my day and i spent an hour reading about the suez canal from about six to seven i learned a bunch of stuff um so yeah who knows there's a a, a guy i follow on twitter who pilots boats like that oh and so he uh made some some very interesting comments on how you actually get through the Suez Canal and, and whose job it is to do what and blah, blah, blah. So it was, it was a little interesting read. I felt like I actually walked away from Twitter smarter once. Once. I mean, seriously, once. There we go. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is, you know, actually we're doing the best use of money of the week, Dame. I'm going to say in 1859... When people are like, you know what? We need a better shipping route. <laughs> Let's split <laughs> the land in half and build the Suez Canal. <laughs> the Suez Canal is this week's best use of money. And here's why, Dame. There's currently a ship uh, finagled deep into the shores of the Suez Canal, blocking it up. The canal handles around 12% of global seaborne trade with each day of blockage disrupting more than $9 billion worth of of goods each hour of delay is holding an estimated 400 million dollars in trade hostage one of the more interesting things i learned today is that it costs up to seven hundred thousand dollars to in fees to pass through the suez canal Ooh. but i can't call that a waste of money but it's just a big chunk of money that is a lot of money it's 120 miles long and it usually takes between 11 to 13 hours to navigate because you have to go so slow so that your waves don't create erosion on the side. And you can add 
about 15 to 20 hours to your journey by going around the uh, uh, the the bottom of, of Africa with the Cape, Ho- Cape of Horn. Cape of Horn. Mm-hmm. I almost said Cape Fear. Yeah. Man, I don't That's know what's happening. Um, by the way, my daughter is texting me from her school right now asking if for some reason if I were to have purchased Chick-fil-A for her today to just Did save you? it and get her extra Chick-fil-A sauce. Yet I'm at home and she's at school. So. Did you? No, I've been here flubbing videos that I have to redo later. You never know. Dame, what's in the news? Well, in case you needed another reason to get your COVID-19 vaccination, Pete, I I think this is probably pretty well known by now, but I want to make sure everybody knows it because, Pete, you know my relationship with donuts. Krispy Kreme is sweetening the deal, and it's giving free donuts to anyone with proof of vaccination all year long. Wait a second. So so if I take my vaccination card, which everyone always holds up, they, they... Yeah. Like... That was my tweet today. I was holding up yeah. the stance. Uh, you, you, you hold up a card, you go and you show them your card and they'll give you a donut every day for the rest of the year. Every day, Pete. I have some, I have some thoughts. Number one, there actually is not a Krispy Kreme anywhere close to us these days. There used to be, but there's not. Mm-hmm. They're coming back to the marketplace, uh, apparently coming to re-franchise uh, in this area. Do you have one up by you? No, we used to uh, on the south side of Fort Wayne, but there is yeah. no longer a Krispy Kreme in my general vicinity. I mean, that's a really generous offer. I mean, are they hoping that you go get one and then you just take some for the office? Is that the, it's a little loss leader action? I, I would assume. I, I can't imagine how they're planning on making anything outside of that. But if it was me, I would just get that free donut every day for the rest of the year. Speaking of gaining weight, um, next week, I'm going to have some suits altered. So then when we get back to society, my clothes fit. That's not gaining weight no i know but i i had gained weight and then i've lost the weight and now i need to shrink my clothes and so when i go back to the workplace i don't look like you know so this is a humble brag i don't know it's just it's just the i don't yeah what else is in the news the red hot housing market has achieved a number of milestones this past year perhaps the most telling is this There are more real estate agents than homes for sale in the United States. This phenomenon reflects both extremely tight supply of homes on the market and how surging prices are persuading tens of thousands more of Americans to try their hands at selling real estate. I'd like to point out that selling real estate, by the way, Pete, is the easy part right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buying is is the tough side. Uh, You want to jump into the profession with limited opportunities to make... uh, lots of money potentially while obsequiously serving your clients become a real estate agent for buyers Uh, that's going to be a tough challenge anyway uh the national association of realtors membership count has exceeded the number of homes on the market only once before which was december of 2019 and uh, at the end of january there were 1.04 million homes for sale which is down 26 percent from a year earlier and the lowest record on record excuse me since 1982 while the realtors were up to 1.45 million. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, you're, you're saying, okay, well, then there's a bunch of realtors representing buyers that are all going to get the home that the sellers are selling. Yeah. Uh, I mean, whoa, here's what's crazy about that. You've got all these inexperienced realtors that are trying to navigate that in- increasingly difficult process, which is, which is terrifying. You know, 
we talked about spending good money and, and things to save money on. Here's where I am on realtors. I think it's worth spending the money on them, especially a really experienced one. Uh, I feel like it, it saves you all the headaches in the world and to listen to them. That's the thing about you hire those people uh, to do a job for you and you pay them so much money. Theoretically, if they sell your house, um, hire the best one because they all cost the same and listen to them. That, that's my theory on realtors. I agree. It's a huge, huge uh, purchase in your life. And if you can get hooked up with a experienced, good realtor, you will walk away from the process probably better off than you would have otherwise. I mean, I, I know I just threw everyone who just started in real estate under the bus, but I mean, I kind of feel the same way about the financial world. I mean, like uh, uh, you know, financial planners. And that, that's tough to say because I, I do realize that you, Dame and I were both once very young and handsome advisors that had very little experience. And we were trying to convince people that we knew what we were doing to some degree. But now I'm saying like, I would much rather have someone that has a lot more mileage on them. Yeah. And you've, I mean, you're struggling with your own uh, stuff when you're a young planner or a new in any profession for most people, a little bit of imposter syndrome uh, creeping in there. But, um, you know, professionals uh, that have been in the game for a while are usually there for a reason still. So uh, seek somebody out. I had this thought the other day about imposter syndrome. It's really interesting you bring that up. This was a day or two ago. And I was thinking to myself, and this is probably a little too cute. I don't know if I trust anyone who doesn't have imposter syndrome to some degree. You know? Yeah. It, it be, now there's one thing, you know, we're all, you want people to be competent and you want them to be confident. Uh, you want them to believe in themselves and their value, but on some level, being too self-assured of your ability to to deliver. I mean, it, it, it's a, it can be a little much. Like I, I appreciate imposter syndrome that I occasionally suffer from. Um, and, and I appreciate others struggle with it too. I mean, it's a thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I don't think it's something that most people ever get fully comfortable with. And those that do, uh, I'm never quite sure how to take them. Do you ever saw you suffer from the uh, imposter syndrome or how all do you do the it? Time. Yeah, all the time. You do? Yeah. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You know Why? more about this stuff, uh, about helping people with their financial lives than just about anybody I know. So you shouldn't suffer from it. I mean, maybe imposter syndrome in terms of like, you know, aesthetics, but certainly not with the work that you do. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, but we will agree to disagree. All right, well, there you go. All right, uh, Peter's Choice on the next one. Mm. Do you want to talk uh, Robin Hood, which you know, we've gone a while without mentioning, you know, maybe a week or so. Or uh, do you want me to follow up on that uh, Federal Reserve cryptocurrency story? Let's do Robinhood. I can't believe you said that. Hold on. I got to scroll to find it. Yeah. Uh, Robinhood uh, had filed paperwork earlier this week with SEC to be what is one of the year's most eagerly awaited initial public offerings. However, I'm going to tie in another story here on Robinhood, Pete. I'm going to do something oh, quasi-professional. Okay. They're also building a platform to democratize initial public offerings, including its own, that would allow users of its trading app to snap up shares alongside Wall Street funds. Okay, so that is interesting. But it, 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 to me, that's like selling the toys from Toy Story. And, and so everyone goes and watches the movie and they're like, oh, I love this story. And you can buy the toys. Like it's that level of genius of oh. to have an IPO platform and put your own IPO on it. Like that is like much respect to them. I don't even find it unethical. 
it's genius and it's going to be wildly successful. That doesn't mean invest in it. I just think it's going to be wildly successful. Yeah. Order's going to count, but uh, if they pull this off, it's going to be pretty fantastic. Dame, thanks for being on the show this week. I'm glad you got to enjoy an adult beverage. And I did not because I messed up my work this morning. And I now have to redo it for the next several hours. So that's all that's in the show this week. Send any good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. And reshoots. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. Man, I can't tell you how disappointing that was. Sorry. No. I'll, I'll do better next week. <laughs> no, I meant me. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, everybody, sorry. Um for my inadequacy this week i'll do better <laughs> it just wasn't you know you know sometimes you i've been doing this for 12 i've been doing a radio show every week for 12 13 years and i'm sure my bad shows now are still better than my early shows that i thought were good Thanks and so. i'm sure my bad columns i write may be better than the old good ones I wrote, but I don't know. Sometimes the bad columns you write are because you're too self-assured. You're, you're just like, Oh yeah, I nailed this. And then, and you don't step back from it before you submit it. And then you read it a week later and you're like, Oh, what a tool. Here's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. Did you deal with imposter syndrome more when you were younger or now? Oh, that is a really interesting question. Well, okay, so there's the natural fake it till you make it, I think is, is part of that. And it's, it's sort of an accepted trade-off. That's a fascinating question that I wish I had a drink <laughs> to <laughs> sit and talk about together for 30 minutes. Um, I would say it's more about magnitude. I, I feel like... Um, I, I feel like the stakes are higher now. And so it's that it's more intense. Like it's a, it's a, it, it feels like if I'm right about not being good enough to do this, it feels like it's a much larger failure than when I was younger. And I was probably more justified in thinking I, I didn't have a resume to stand on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the stakes are greater for you at this point. Uh, it, it would have been easy to pivot to something else uh, when you were younger. You, you don't have a lot writing on it at that point. Um, but I, th I, I'm not sure where I fall on this. I, for a long yeah. time, being the, the, the young financial advisor, I was acutely aware of uh, the the disadvantages I had: age, uh, moderately bad hair uh, at that point, yeah. still too. I just all sorts of issues that that could go on, and a, a lack of uh, relationships with people that had money to yeah. let me help them with, which is a, a huge issue. Um, but now you're right as, is is uh, as you get older and your perspective changes a bit, uh, you may be more confident in some ways professionally, but the stakes are higher and you want to make sure that you're not, um, and especially in today, I mean, 20 years ago, cancel culture wasn't a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting for me. Yeah, I feel like I've been trying to prove this certain hypothesis my entire career. Mm -hmm. And early on, I hadn't made a lot of progress toward it and I really believed in it. So the imposter syndrome was maybe I'm not right. But then as I've sort of gathered momentum towards this ultimate hypothesis, which we can, 
you, you arguably know, right? It's just, it's this idea that you can make uh, personal finance simple and empathetic and, and relatable. The imposter syndrome now is, you know, I'm not that I'm looking for a payoff. Like that's not the thing. It's just like, what actually proves that now? That's where I'm at now. It's like, it was just a, it was, I was doubting the theory for a long time, but now the imposter syndrome is, well, how will I know if I was right or wrong in the first place? And and that's weird. Yeah. You know, I used to be, and I've also changed what I used to measure myself. And I used to be like, well, I'll be like Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman. Like I'll be the third person people talk about. And that was a focus of mine. And like, mm-hmm. I worked towards it. Then I was just like, well, that's dumb. I mean, that's just really <laughs> self-involved. Like I have, like, if I'm trying to do these things because I think it helps people, then why is it I need to be a giant star to account? I just, it stopped making sense. So I pivoted. I don't know. It, I, this may not be interesting to anyone, by the way. I mean, you and it's just you and I talking. I, I like to think it's what the people stick around for. I, Maybe it's the midlife cry. I mean, I'm, I'm 43. I mean, is this what the beginning of a midlife crisis is? Like, I'm, I'm in, by the way, I'm not in crisis. I'm very self assured. I'm, yes, I'm having a bad day because I didn't sleep well and then I jacked up a project. Um, but yeah, you wonder that self reflection. One of my favorite things I hold on to is this saying, I don't even know who said it. It's when you're 20, uh, you think everyone cares what you're doing. And when you're 40, uh, you re, uh, you don't care what anyone thinks or you don't care what anyone thinks about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then when you're 60, you realize that no one was thinking about you anyway. Yeah. Right. And so I have tried to accelerate my mindset to 60. <laughs> uh, but I, I love that. Right. Because you, you're, you just want to do well when you're young and as you get older, you're just like, you start to see your place in the world and it, it just, it's a mind trip, you know? I agree. Good answer, Pete. How is it that I'm not having a beverage right now and we're having this conversation? Your choice. I was going to tell you something this week. I had to go to the ER this week. I tell you that. Uh, I, I saw something about it, but yeah. I, we, we didn't share details. No, my daughter just heard a wrist playing soccer. She's fine now, but that's always a weird experience, right? It's just a weird week. Weird week. Yeah. yeah you dealt. Never, you, you've dealt with that recently too, though. Never a good time. I had to go get some uh, some some X-rays for for one of our kids as well. So it's if I may. Riverview Health, now there's these urgent care ER combination centers that aren't attached physically to the hospital. It's like just its own. We went to Riverview Health. Genius business model. Like absolutely, I don't want to go to an ER. I don't want to go to urgent care. Wonderful, pleasant, clean, friendly. And then they sent me a survey. uh, This is how you know I'm an old guy. They sent me a survey and I'm talking about it out loud with my wife and she's given me the, honey, I really don't care sort of vibe you know, lovingly, but I'm reading through these questions, Dame, and literally every question they're asked, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God, they went out of their way to make sure that I answered this question the way I'm going to, like, it was that well executed. It was unbelievable. Technical writers are amazing to make sure that they craft things in in just the right way to get you thinking in a a certain direction. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's great. Anyway, okay. I gotta go. I mean, literally I, I, I gotta go. Oh, I, you and I got to talk though. So everyone else has got to go. <laughs> That's, hey, y'all are kicked off the stream. Uh, when I when you guys talk to me next week, I'm going to be partially vaccinated. So look out. It'll be me, Dame, and the other two heads I grew out of my shoulders. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>